Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live. I am Jim, even if I don't totally sound like Jim. Uh, apologies for uh, it's springtime. It's a head cold. It's not COVID, I promise. I'm joined, as always, by Tom. Tom, how you doing? Very well, thank you. It is so surprising. I know we talked about it last week, uh, that we are flying through this month. Uh, I know we referenced it last week in, in connection to AEW Double or Nothing. But my, 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 uh, we're halfway through the month. It feels like it just started. It's, I, it is. It's insane. I agree with you. Uh, speaking of that, I meant to mention this, and I didn't didn't mention it in the, the quick conversation we had before we clicked record. Uh, we, we missed last week. Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit, uh, that last week was episode 42, and we were waiting for episode 52, which would feel like a year because it was 52. Last week actually was one year since we restarted uh, the podcast. So I have to say... 42 episodes in 52 weeks. We only missed 10 weeks out of the year. I don't think that's all that bad, actually, for the lives you and I both lead. Um, and a couple of those came here, you know, fairly recently. So, uh, I, you know, 42 out of 52. Hey, I would people love for us to do 52 out of 52? I don't know. Probably not. But um, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. <laughs> right. But um, yeah. So happy one year anniversary of the return of Two Spot Monkeys live, Tom. Uh, a week late. But uh, we've got stuff to talk about this week, too. Um, by the way, I do just need to, before we start, uh, quick shout out to our friend Annette, um, who appreciated my words of wisdom last week, that if you kick someone in the ding ding, uh, you are a heel. Uh, shout out to Steve Carino for that reference from his Ring of Honor commentary days. But um, we'll see what words of wisdom come out of me today. Uh, I don't know if I can top that, Tom. When that's the when that's the one like specified comment extracted from our time together, I, I reflected and go, we have to do better. <laughs> and, and and that's not a shot at Annette. It's not a shot at us. It's it's all circumstantial. I know she did give us kudos and praise and uh, thank you. I I just you know I and I listened back to I listened back to last week's episode as well and you know because I want to I want to do better every single week so. Um, Let's go. Let's let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, we wanted to talk first uh, about AEW and, and some of the follow-up to Blood and Guts and their, their build here to Double or Nothing. Uh, we've both seen AEW from this week, so um, that'll that'll be good conversation, hopefully here coming. But um, we'll have a fuller, more full preview. Um, let's see. That'll be probably in two weeks uh, when we're directly before the pay-per-view um, when we do our head-to-head -head picks and they, they flesh out the rest of the card, which I... I think we can see where some of that is headed, but um, Tom, we we both had feelings about how Blood and Guts went last week. How did you feel uh, they followed up, especially the Blood and Guts match, the pinnacle and in the inner circle? <laughs> That's a great in, uh, way to start because I was very strong in my feelings about thinking, and I don't know that I verbalized it here, but I know I posted it in the group that we're a part of as part of kind of an ongoing discussion um, and kind of reflecting on that event and that match. I didn't want to see Jericho for a long time. When you take that type of spill off the cage, and it's more than a spill, that fall, uh, traumatic events. I, you're sounding like MJF there that, you know, Jericho had a little trip. Uh <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't want to see Jericho back right away. And and there he is showing up on the 
on the bubbly mobile, if that's what it's being called, I forget even if they named it on Wednesday, uh, to shoot um, to shoot bubbly at at the pinnacle. And I also felt in that segment, you know, I, I thought that I thought before the inner circle showed up on that on that on that uh, uh, device. It's not a device; it's a vehicle. It was um, like a gator with a trailer or something. Yeah, con- contraption. Yeah. Um, I felt that what MJF had done in the pinnacle and how they were carrying themselves was super. It would have been interesting to have them tease. Okay, well, now that we've put the uh, you know um, the inner circle, you know, behind us, here's our goals, and then have inner circle interrupt because clearly they they want that. I also felt too, you know, so so not teasing that was a little disappointing to me, you know, in hindsight. I also felt like MJF rushed. Like saying, okay, fine, we'll give you, we'll give you a stadium stampede, but if you lose, you're done. And it wasn't like he said, I'll only give it to you if you agree. And I, and I know like they technically haven't agreed, like the match isn't locked in. Come on, it's wrestling. We know we know what's going to happen. There, the, the inner circle is not going to say because they were the ones earlier in the show with Hager, Ortiz, and Sammy who were like, listen. We're coming for revenge. You, you, we had you down. We had you beat, and by hooker, by crook, you got us. So that was probably my least favorite kind of thing on the show, which is weird because I really liked that, and I'm and I'm actually not opposed to them having the spring stampede match. I would have again. I would have wished that Wait, stadium stampede. Sorry, yeah. Did w- I said, WCW just jumped in. Yeah, well, again, war, war games, uh, blood right. and guts. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, Stadium Stampede makes a lot of sense for these two teams. I, I would have loved to have seen them say, they being inner circle, say, hey, we're coming for you. We want this, but we're, we're coming with a man down because we don't have Jericho. Whether that was the case or not, even if Jericho didn't show up again until that match, I would have, I still wouldn't have preferred that. I would have preferred him been out longer, but I would have been a, been more okay with that. Um, you know, I, I since Santana got you know arrested and was detained, I would have been more expecting him to show up on Wednesday because they bailed him out versus Jericho with the RoboCop arm. I don't know. What were your thoughts? Um, I, I'm with you. Jericho shouldn't have been back that fast. That was, I mean, and and to only have his arm wrapped in a brace on his arm, like how about a neck brace? You fell off a cage through what was supposed to be a metal floor. And you don't even have a neck brace on? You have an arm. Supposed to be. I do air quotes for those listening and not watching. I mean, uh, let me me preface by saying, and I think you just said this too. As a whole, I thought Dynamite was a great show on Wednesday night. So, So we're nitpicking kind of the one thing I think right now that that both of us kind of felt, it seems like felt similarly about. He was pushed off the top of the cage. I know that there was a, we had a whole lot of conversation last week and there was a lot of conversation online about, you know, the landing, the crash pad, the everything, blah, blah, blah. They could have even played that up if they wanted to. Um, And AEW does enough like wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, kind of wink, wink, nod stuff kind of, that they do, that they could have almost said, like, 
And Jericho knew I was going to do that. And he even ended up putting a dumb mattress under the floor so that, you know, it wouldn't hurt him that bad. Or I don't know. Like, I could have seen them doing something like that. I don't know if I would have loved it, but, I, you know, it, it could have been done. It wasn't. And that could have helped explain why did Jer- why was Jericho able to be back, you know, a week later. Yes, with his arm in a brace. But it just, it seemed odd to me that that was the thing. He looked no worse for the wear other than having his arm in a brace. And it wasn't like they did something specific to his arm in the match. You know, if they'd slammed a cage door on his arm three times or something, then okay, that's a perfect thing to to wrap. That part was weird to me. Um, I don't know. I feel like the spraying of the bubbly, that that angle to me has never clicked. Um, Whether it was Steve Austin in the, the beer truck, whether it was Kurt Angle in the milk truck, because for it, to go off, the heels have to just stand there and and keep flopping around and keep standing up and flopping around. And I mean, the heels literally were out of getting sprayed and then ran back in to get sprayed again. And, you know, I mean, so that, that angle always, whether it's been WWE or AEW, I'm like, like, it just looks stupid to me. I, I get it, but it just doesn't. It, it makes the heels look really dumb. Um, not like, oh, the, the baby face has got one up on them. They didn't see that coming. And not to mention the nozzle was sitting right there on top of the thing. Like, I I didn't catch that it was bubbly um, at first. I thought they were going to, like, I kind of thought it was like Shotzi's tank. I thought they were going to start, like, shooting darts at him or something. I don't know. Um, And then I was like, oh, okay, this, yeah, a little bit of the bubbly, right? I got it. I'm okay. I'm okay with them going to Stadium Stampede as well. Um, I, I still feel like this feud has just been rushed, but it has been, and it's, clearly not slowing down. So apparently we're going to go through this really fast. The real interesting thing for me will be for us when we get to all out in it's May, that's September ish, four months ish, three and a half months. It's going to be interesting to see where we are by the time we get to all out and, and where, and where this feud specifically um, where, what, what turns and twists perhaps have, have unfolded. And that, all out would be their next pay per view. Yeah, 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 would. yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or does it really end? Is the inner circle done after Stadium Stampede? And you, you got to think they the inner circle wins, and then they go one on one, and then you know the full culmination happens probably at All Out or something like that. But we'll we'll see. And again, I don't want to get into we don't want to get into our picks for Double or Nothing yet because they've got a couple more weeks to build, which will certainly influence our picks as well on that. Uh, yeah, that that part for me was just, man. Well, and and to that end, we started with kind of the biggest critique that we had, and I, I think it might be fair to say, as much as we're critiquing it, it it wasn't horrible. No, it, it, it was it was watchable. It wasn't incredibly campy. There was campy elements to it. Uh, again, like you're saying, when you're running back into the bubbly to get hit, uh, that's you know, come on. You, there are there are, there are stupid heels, and then there are just uh, aloof heels, uh, and there's a mix of the two. It, we saw a little bit of that on display, right? And and there should be badass heels, which is what the pinnacle should be. Um, Kip Sabian should be running back into getting sprayed. You know, somebody in that vein um, of a heel should be doing that, not not the pinnacle. And and nothing against the pinnacle guys. What that's that's what they had to do, like. If you're gonna, so you just don't do that angle. Is my, you know, my thing. Not that they they executed it poorly. 
I, I don't think you can execute it well. So um, that being said, though, let's maybe go to some of the positives uh, from the show because there were plenty of them. Um, I saw you post uh, on the, the board that we're a part of that you thought maybe the first hour of the show was was the best free hour of wrestling TV we've seen all year. Um, and, yeah, and I and I still feel yeah. that way. Yeah, and as I was, I knew we were going to get into this, and I and, I, and I was kind of wrestling with the thoughts in my head of, is you know, am I am I a victim or is this a victim of recency bias? Am I like just promoting something because it's so fresh? But the more I think about it, that entire first hour from opening up with Mox and Nagata and uh, Mox's entrance with Wild Thing, and you know that song, I never thought twice about it before, but like it was so spot on for that moment and then the match that they had was just uh, just a just a, a, a fight and it was great and i loved it and then you go from there into scu and the young bucks which i i, I think i want to talk a whole lot more about that and kind of elements of there and then into orange cassidy and and, and pock and and it ended in, into the second hour and and so I'm not including the finish of that match in like saying, hey, that first full first hour was was the best uh, because I, I wasn't super huge on that finish. I get that it gets to the destination of the of the title match at double or nothing. But the work to that point, the back and forth, Pac and, and Orange Cassidy have really good chemistry. So I don't know. And, and again, and, and nothing against the second hour, but again, the second hour had that, that pinnacle and inner circle angle. Thunder Rosa returned to the ring and then uh, the TNT title match, which I good grief. And you talk about two guys uh, with incredibly bright futures for with, with different, with kind of different trajectories in a way. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, right? but um no no i agree with you that i thought the first hour was really really strong um moxley nagato was was exactly what i figured it would be which is a war um and and i agree i i like that they used wild thing for his entrance music like that was interesting um yeah it it was interesting and a fit and and it worked and um was just kind of fun um so I thought they had a war uh, with a with an expected result. You know, uh, there was a part of me that figured Kento was going to get that U.S. title off of Moxley back when they did the whole thing in was that February with NJ, NJPW Strong. Um, once they left it on Mox, uh, yeah, it's not going to be Nagata. Um, not going to be Nagata. But uh, that that was really good. Um, what did you think? Uh, the other thing in the first hour that happened was the Cody Rhodes announcement which led to what you and i uh both expected i think last week of of cody and anthony agogo um his so for me the the american thing at the beginning was a little wonky like i almost think he stumbled on some words maybe um because it i don't know it was a little strange and then of course he had to bring up that they're having a baby which i get he's he's proud of and he's excited for but i don't necessarily need it every single time on the wrestling show because I mean, the baby's not going to be a character on the wrestling show, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the baby will be. But I mean, they have a reality show that's going to be so. So, so whether 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 implied or not, I think there's crossover promotion by way of that. I mean, and again, as right. a first time dad, he has every right to be right, right. And and I don't mean to downplay that for Cody. Uh, you know, I love that 
that he talked about the the fact that you know there is the you know 50 years ago he and brandy getting married would have been you know a very taboo thing and 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 that sort of thing and that's that's all good and well and hopefully we've come a long way as a country and, and we have we've got some more to go um we're not there yet but nonetheless this is not a political podcast we try really hard not to get into that stuff um here in this forum but um you know he's going to be the american dream and i get it anthony ogogo has been running down america it kind of feels like okay cody's played sting for so long that now cody wants to play hulk hogan um so the big bad heel who's running down the country and now he's going to say his prayers and take his vitamins and fly fly old glory um I, you know he's going to be the american dream instead of the american nightmare but he he said right away no different presentation just justin roberts you're going to introduce me as the Amer you know what however he totally put it there the only way this works for me is if they have somehow made an agreement with the wwe and they've acquired the rights to this to the uh son of a plumber song that starts out with that American dream, you know, and then you hear that dunk, dunk, dunk and common man thing. If they do that, I will pop. I, that will get me. But otherwise, I, I mean, it's a tribute to his dad. I get it. Um, I, I don't know. It, it was okay. And like I said, it, it was expected to me. I guess I didn't know that he was obviously going to do the, I'm not going to be the American nightmare, which I always thought has been a fun play off of the American dream. Um, that for one night only he's going to be the American dream. Oh, okay. I mean, that is what it is. Maybe, I mean, his tights are going to have polka dots. Let's be honest. Um, that's going to happen. But um, I, it got where it needed to, but for me, that was oh, okay. But uh, tag match. Well, actually, let me, let me let you respond to Cody first, and then let's go to the tag match. For sure. I, default to feeling on a pretty regular basis that I think Cody Rhodes should be a heel. I think, I think that, the, that he's more naturally fit for that role. And I think that it comes from how I saw him and how he presented himself in ring of honor. Mm. And, and, and I thought that that was, you know, that was like him, you know, so the idea, the idea always is, you know, who you are in pro wrestling is actually like really you, but like turned up to 10. So maybe, maybe what we're seeing with Cody, maybe what we saw on Wednesday is, is, you know, a true reflection of the person. It's not, it's not working for me. Uh, I, and, and I, I appreciate, appreciate and respect that he isn't forcing himself into the spotlight. That being said, you're also having a match with a former pro boxer. So, you know, that's going to draw eyes perhaps on your product that wouldn't. So can the argument be made that you are still putting yourself in the spotlight or at the top of the card? I don't, I don't know. And we don't need to dissect that entirely today. I thought the, I thought the promo was fine. I thought, you know, whenever Cody talks, it doesn't matter what the topic is. I think there's a lot of great passion. My, my wondering is this long-term thing. So clearly the, the nightmare family and the factory isn't probably done despite the fact that he beat QT Marshall two weeks ago. And we saw the shift to a go-go here. My other wondering is this, this baby's coming soon and you'd have to think, I, I don't know, maybe not. 
that he'd want some time off. Even though he's one of the EVPs, you would think he can do that stuff behind the scenes. That he wouldn't be traveling to shows, you know, in the first couple months after the baby is born. So, what type of angle takes him out? If that's what happens, does that happen at Double or Nothing? Uh, and does that put heat on the factory and specifically a go-go? And then Cody comes back at All Out in some capacity. Who knows? I, I don't. I mean, there's a lot of ways it can go, and I don't really know ultimately how I want to see it. I would wish to see it play out. I default automatically though to thinking and feeling that I that Cody in the role of a heel is maybe more uh, um, more of a fit in my eyes for him. That being said, if you were to say, okay, if he turns next Wednesday, Tom, where do you where do you slot him and who do you slot him against? And I wouldn't have a good answer for you right now. I I really thought he was going to end up turning heel and end up being the leader of their four horsemen, which in my eyes is the pinnacle. Um, and, and I love that they didn't do that. Um, even though I agree with you, I think Cody Cody comes off sometimes a, a little almost arrogant. Um, he he can. Um, he can come off as a really good guy too. Um, but he's got a little, I mean, look, if you've reached the level of success that Cody and and many others in the wrestling business have, there's some ego, you've got some ego. That's the only way it works. Um, and so I'm not, not trying to slam Cody in any way, um, here, look, Cody, Cody bet on himself a number of years ago. And, and that bet has been proven right tenfold as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I have no doubt that the American Dream Dusty Rhodes is, you know, super proud wherever he is, watch, looking down on on Cody and and what Cody has done. Um, you know, Cody has helped make the connections that have brought the closest thing we've seen to any competition, quote unquote, uh, for W for WWE since WCW. Uh, so, kudos. And and I'm not saying they're strong competition yet you know they're they're doing well in the spot that they're in um you know they're not beating raw those kinds of things although <laughs> raw's numbers keep dropping who knows it could, it could happen at some point um you know they're not consistently over a million viewers yet um they're getting there they're popping it occasionally uh, but kudos to cody for that i, I agree with you though character wise i think he makes more sense as a heel too but he does you know find his way into these spots so I, we'll see we'll see what happens with the American Dream Cody Rhodes um in a couple of weeks. And I'm already debating who I'm gonna pick for that match. So, you know, I've got two weeks to decide that too. Um that tag match we, we talked about a little bit, um, or you talked about a little bit really I I think a really good tag match. Uh a result that I don't think was um any question that it was probably going to happen. But uh, what, what did you think of the match? And then uh, what did you think of uh, apparently the end of Kazarian and Daniels as a tag team? I love the match. And this is the perfect example or one of the perfect examples of when you add the right spot and the right mix of blood, a match goes from being very good to great or almost great. And I am, I am, I was, I was, I am still, and I was stunned by the volume of blood 
that Christopher Daniels was pouring out of himself. And I almost feel like they didn't do a good enough job of keeping a camera on him. That would have been one of those things where as much as, and this has actually been on my mind, so I'm gonna bring it up and then maybe we'll revisit it. Um, the picture in picture has lately for me become frustrating. I don't enjoy it as much as I think I would like. I'll be um, honest because I don't watch AEW live. Um, I always watch it after, and with Sling, you can fast forward through commercials. I fast forward through the picture in picture, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, a lot of times I will too, but the times that I try to stay focused on a match, like in this match, for example, uh, it, it, it was challenging for me. So maybe that's just me. Maybe I just have uh, you know low-grade ADHD, and I just can't focus. It's, um, it's me too, and I, and I do it on NXT as well. I mean, so it's not just AEW. Right, so, so I almost feel like not doing a picture in picture. I, I don't know what the value of picture in picture is looking to demonstrate or provide to the viewer. So so that that being said, I feel as if when Daniels rolled over after getting super kicked and then they realized he was bleeding, that in my opinion, to tie the story together and, and make the emotion even stronger, doing a picture in picture of one camera on him on the floor as best they were able, right? You know, him, you know, and 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 Arguably, that was more blood on his end than we saw in all of Blood and Guts the week before. He again, he was he was like a fire fire hose of, of blood. Uh, but I feel like that would have been appropriate because then the, then you have the announcer saying, "Look at him; he's bleeding profusely." You know, sorry that this is graphic, folks, but we're showing you this because you know, the, the careers of the SCU as a team are on the line here and the titles are on the line. Like just one one more emotional kind of way to get the viewer in. And I was already in by that point, but I think that could have been just taken it one step further and had the action in picture number one and then Daniel's over here in picture two before finally what we had towards the end of that culmination. And those those near falls and the 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 the, the, the being wobbly and not being able to hit the the BME on the first attempt all of those things were, were great and and the and the young bucks my word i don't know that i have ever hated the young bucks i'm wearing their shirt today um uh and in in, in honor of that match on wednesday for those seeing us on youtube um i actually hate the young bucks right now like i hate them as heels i love them as performers but like their characters and the way they're presenting themselves and the way they're doing things they make me want to see them get their butts kicked so they know how to they know how to do the wrestling business they 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 are they're they're some of the best uh and 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 then the way the match ended and, and the look on kazarian's face and it was a little frustrating for me personally that they quickly went so fast to oh my gosh we've got breaking news in the back and, and ended up being mox and kingston wrecking the elite's dressing room i feel like that could have waited to give kazarian and daniels their chance and their spotlight in the ring so i felt like that was a missed opportunity i see i see the tight team being done I see Kazarian actually turning on Daniels and then Daniels putting Kazarian over as he maybe sunsets. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I I love this match. I, it, my critique is going to be placement. I think Darby and Miro should have been in this spot and I think this should have been the main event. Uh, A, both matches were really, really strong. Um, you know, both matches were strong, but you could have ended the show with not a, with the Young Bucks celebrating and that kind of despondent 
you know, Chris Daniels and Kazarian look and they hug or whatever. And is this the end now for SCU? That's your kind of cliffhanger at the end. More than Miro and Archer facing off, um, which is fine. I, I like that um, that next path for Miro. Um, but that didn't need to be the the end of the show cliffhanger kind of thing. I, I thought these two matches should have just swapped. Um, you could book them the exact same ways, basically. But I think ending with the SCU thing and playing it up a little bit more, I agree with you. Um, you know, if if you cut away from Miro and Archer looking at each other and Jake Roberts trying to hold back Archer, which always looks hysterical to me because Jake looks like he's about going to get run over. Because let's be honest, if Lance Archer wanted to get past Jake Roberts at this point in his life, uh, Lance Archer would get past Jake Roberts. <laughs> That's, you know, at one point Jake was, uh, you know, a tough SOB and, and all of that, but Jake's Jake's on the uh, the other side of the hill at this point, and uh, Lance Archer is a big dude. But so that always makes me laugh a little bit. But that you could have cut away from, and oh, you know, it's going crazy out here, and we got something going on in the back, and and you go to that. That would have been fine. So just just a placement thing. They're learning. You know, they're only what a year and a half um, into AEW. I, I just would have flipped those two. Um, because this was really, really good, and I just think there could have been more done. I agree with you. And and there's probably more to come on the SCU thing, like you said. And I think your idea of, of Kazarian turning, that's always been my thought. I always kind of thought Kazarian might turn and cause them to lose the match. Um, not necessarily this match, but whatever match they would eventually lose, which makes sense that it would be a tag title match. Um that he would turn and, and cause him. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Let that happen after the fact, let this be the match. Um, it was, and, and, and that, so that would have been my, my one critique. I just feel like they could have flipped those two and it would have made a lot of sense. Um, and not taken away from either match, which were both really, really good. Um, anything on Darby and Miro? I mean, the Darby and I, and I get, you know, from the AEW side, to be fair, Darby Allen had been in the main event, like three or four weeks in a row and they had done really good ratings those weeks. So I understand why you put him in the main event, because it seems like the kids a ratings draw at some level. Um, I would assume the Bucks get good ratings, though, too. So I don't feel like you're hurting yourself to flip that. You know, you're not I'm not asking you to flip it to Chuck Taylor and Kip Sabian, you know, as the main event or anything like that. Um, tells you where I put those two guys, I guess. But um, <laughs> Darby Miro thoughts. Uh, Darby Darby throws himself around in ways that I I, I like Darby Allen, and I just want him to be okay. Um, and he worries me without a doubt. I'm again thinking back to the angle with him being thrown down the concrete stairs the week prior, and the question of him even being able to compete this week, and then the brutalization from Miro before the bell even rings, and Paul Turner going, "Are you are you able to compete?" You know, or paraphrasing that perhaps. And then he goes, yes. And then they go and he just gives his all. If there's a character in AEW that you just want to get behind. And, and 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 I can't ever imagine Darby being anything other than a face for his entire career. I'm sure there's a way to turn him heel. But that guy is as sympathetic as, as it gets. And, and, he, and he does it in a way, I think because you can feel his pain. With with without like actually like you know and he I'm not I wouldn't say he's overly expressive with his with his selling but it's just it's I feel like it's just the right amount and and the way that match 
you know, unfolded and he definitely was not squashed and he stayed strong. You know, you talk about fighting spirit, his fighting spirit was, on, was full on display. It's, it's odd to me that they're going to use him and Sting to perhaps get Sky and Paige over to the next level. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think it's interesting. And I will also say, like, Archer coming out to go face-to-face with Miro didn't make me say, oh, I went from really being high on the TNT title scene to, eh. And again, nothing against Miro, because I'm actually super high on him. I think, think this was a, a proper coronation, and I think it builds from here. Is Archer the right fit? I think they're going to have you know, some Hoss battles. My concern with Archer is they've turned Archer into the guy when you win a title, he's the first guy you beat. So I don't feel like there's any, like, I, Archer came out and I was like, oh, all right, they're going to beat the tar out of each other when they fight, so that'll be fun. Um, but I don't, I wasn't feeling like there was any chance that Archer might beat him when it comes down to it, because Archer's just the guy you beat. Um and as Archer, and I know, maybe I'm asking too old school of a question, but like he was kind of nitpicking at Sting and Darby. Now he's going after Miro. So now is he a baby face again? Because he kind of was slanting heelish. And then now he's maybe he just wants the TNT title and it doesn't matter who has it. And that, and that can be the motivation. And, and that's fine. Um, it's it's a different way to look at it than normal. Um but, but give that, him the give him the chance to say that if that's the case. Right, right, absolutely. Um, I don't care who has it. I want that belt, you know, or something. Um, and Darby Allen doing the Jack Evans uh, memorial. I shouldn't say memorial. It's not like Jack Evans is dead, but um, getting his head bent back to the back of his feet in the. Uh, I'm going to call it the accolade. I know that's probably not what they're going to call it. I don't know that they've given it a name in AEW. I missed it if they did. Game over. Game over? Is that what they were called? I, I'm, I'm thinking of a video game terminology. Okay, well, true, true. Uh, you know, he's flexible in ways that I don't believe my body has ever been flexible, even when I was a baby. Um, Interesting, you said that. My wife woke up this morning and she goes, "My hip hurts," and I go, "And I go, I'm sorry to hear that." And she goes, "Yeah, she goes, I'm just not as flexible as I used to be. I wake up with things that are sore when they when they weren't ten years ago. That's a sign of getting older." getting old as hell <laughs> well i think we've uh anything else on aew tom before we move forward well the only other thing which was interesting in my opinion is i was like man we haven't seen christian cage for a while and then sure enough he shows up backstage with dasha and uh you know makes his claim for uh the casino battle royal uh match and, that's gonna happen and good for matt seidel to think he's gonna you know and I love that they did make the little like comments about last year's battle royal, um, and Christian Cage saying, "Oh, hope you don't slip up again." Um, yeah. Anybody think Matt Seidel's winning next week? I don't know. Anybody? Um, so just for me, it was it was it, it, it seemed like you know for the pomp and circumstances that was behind his debut, and then the couple of matches we've seen, it seemed pretty quiet recently. So. No, I don't, I don't think someone like that can ever be forgotten about. That being said, if you're not focusing on him week after week after week, does that lessen perceived or actual value? I think he's a strong contender to win the Casino Royal, uh, Battle Royal, and earn a shot. But uh, I agree. He has been kind of downplayed lately, and I don't know if there was, you know, he's banged up a little bit or just 
they had a lot of other stuff to get in in the last few weeks and and just haven't creative had nothing for him yet well and so so there's a great great idea or thought around enhancing the value of aew dark or dark elevation and probably more so dark right there are so many guys and only so many spots so you know giving us i don't know i i can't even make up the match off the top of my head because i hadn't thought about it before we did this topic came up but christian cage in a spotlight match on you know dark would have kept him in the forefront of viewers minds or they could have at least done a done a you know hey yesterday on dark or early this week on dark you know here's what christian cage has been up to among other people right and it's not like there isn't a match between dark and dark elevation that you could have swapped um i feel like i'm picking on him but you know could we've gotten christian cage instead of Chuck Taylor and Barry Morales. Um, I don't know. I think we probably could have. Uh, Dante Martin and Aaron Fry, maybe. I thought, I thought you were going to pick on Matt Sidelegan, so thank you for not, because yeah. he, he's sensitive. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't, don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but we probably could have done without Matt Sidell and Manny Smith, too. But anyways, um, who is Manny Smith? I don't even know, because I don't watch Dark Elevation. Um Let's talk Ring of Honor just real quick, and then we're going to uh, move into our head-to-heads for WrestleMania Backlash. Still don't know why that pay-per-view had to change its name, but anyways. Um, Ring of Honor, uh, Tom, I know you didn't see the show this week, but you're aware of what happened on it. Uh, kind of a, a newsworthy show, I think, uh, this last week, in that Brian Johnson had his open challenge, which uh, seemed to be answered by Danhausen at first, but then Danhausen brought out PCO, which seems to now be a new pairing moving forward. Uh, I gotta admit, let's let's start there. Um, if you have any thoughts on it, I kind of like the idea of Danhausen and PCO. Yeah, I, I think I think it's two odd people that pair together to make something really interesting. Yeah, I mean, do I think they're future Ring of Honor tag team champions? Uh, not unless it's for a short, you know haha run a little bit or something uh, both guys are decent in there you know i think dan Housen's actually more talented than we've been able to see so far they haven't really given him a ton of matches um you know and, and he's got a, a quirky character a quirky um gimmick i guess for lack of a better word i just heard a uh, really interesting out of character interview with um donovan Danhausen, the guy who plays Danhausen. Uh, on Chris Van Vliet's uh, podcast this week. Uh, so it's interesting to hear him talk through kind of how this character has developed and, and all of that over time and how he got into Ring of Honor and, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, I kind of liked, and, and I know you didn't see it, so I don't know if you caught it, but uh, PCO used kind of a mandible claw and then grabbed the top draw too and like was trying to basically rip Brian Johnson's face apart. Wow. Um, and, and in one of those, like, there's a small thing that like made a connection Ian Riccoboni goes, I think now we know how Danhausen gets his teeth. And I was like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, ha, ha, but I'm like, I mean, you're putting a backstory together that makes some sense now. Um, We've suspended our disbelief for far greater stretches than that. Right. Oh, absolutely. And you got to suspend your disbelief if you're playing around with the characters of PCO and Danhausen. So, you know, it, if you're, if you're going to hate on it, you're going to hate on it. But um, I don't know. It's fun for me. And because Ring of Honor is so pure wrestling based and, and all of those kinds of things, 
I think <clears throat> there's a place for a let me up kind of character like a Danhausen or a PCO, something to be a little lighter um, in between and, and give you a chance to go, whew, and then get ready for the next big match. Um, I'm thinking of it from a live event kind of standpoint. You know, we always joke about the popcorn match and what. There's a reason they have those um, because if you're just going nuts all night long by the main event, you're spent and and you've got nothing left to give as a crowd. So you got to have those matches to just kind of go, oh, okay, this is this is not you know as intense as the foundation and La Faccione Gonavales or something like that. Um, so I, I think there's a place for it. Um, the Briscoes, you know, had their match with EC3 and and Flip Gordon, and I still didn't care. Um, but you know, they continue on with with that story. Anything you you thought on what you read about Briscoes and and yeah, my yeah, my understanding was you know again Flip used underhanded tactics to get the win, and this was unbeknownst to EC3. So yeah, they're clear. That's clearly something that they're building in the storyline that they're that they're telling. Yeah, and I think they're building towards an EC3 flip match here at some point um, as well because, you know, while, while they worked together at one point and then got put together in this tag team, and they were very clear that they neither of them asked to team together, Ring of Honor put them together in this match. Um, yeah, I think they're building there, which uh, I like EC3, so I guess, okay. Um, I've been pretty clear on my feelings on the other guy. Um, and then Angelina Love and Quinn McKay, I know, again, I know you haven't seen it, Tom, I have to say, look, I've made my uh, admiration for Quinn McKay known before, um, but really putting that aside, having nothing to do with, you know, being an attractive person or whatever, all of those things, A, I think she's super talented as a host and as a backstage interviewer. I think she does a really, really good job. Um, so that is a lot of my admiration for Quinn McKay as a person and a character. Uh, she more than held her own in this match. Uh, again, I listened to an interview. I've been in my car a lot this week, a little bit this week, and uh, listened to an interview she did with Jason Powell on the Pro Wrestling uh, .net, uh, Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Excuse me for Pro Wrestling .net. And uh, she had only before this match has only had ten independent wrestling matches. I knew she had an independent wrestling career before. I didn't realize it was quite so short. Um, and I have not seen any of those matches. I haven't seeked them out. Tried to seek them out. I'm sure a few of them are on YouTube or somewhere, but. Um, I've seen some some pictures people have put up of of the gimmick she used to use, and she talked about it a little bit. But um, she more than held her own with Angelina, and this story is not done yet, clearly. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see if if Quinn ends up in the women's title tournament or not. Uh, Angelina obviously now has a first round bye in the women's title tournament, but uh, they're building that tournament. I think in a, in an interesting way. I have not been watching the women's matches on Wednesdays on YouTube. I, I wish they were on TV. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, but I think the fact that they're at least showing these matches on YouTube and then having Maria use that as a reason for her to invite women into the tournament there. So they have to kind of earn their way into the tournament in some way. Um, I, I think it's at least they're trying to tell a story. I wish they would do it on TV and not on YouTube, but ring of honor knows better than I, and they've done a lot of things through YouTube. So maybe they're getting enough of a response that they think it works. I don't know. Yeah. I know we talked about the viewership numbers on AEW's YouTube kind of outlets last week. There's got to be something there. And, 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 and more so if they're monetizing it and they're getting more eyes and they're getting more return on investment, that's that's got to be happening. So, again, I think there's more to come. They clearly didn't tape the women's 
summer stuff with the last bubble that just happened this week. There was, so there was another Ring of Honor bubble. You'd have to think that's the bubble that leads up to or includes best in the world. If we're even getting best in the world, I would have thought we would have heard that by now. Um, I don't know. We'll see. And and, and perhaps the women's uh, idea is that it's going to be in July. And I thought maybe that is the case from the start. So, Yeah, and that could be. I, you know, it would have made sense to me to run it if they could have and ended it at best in the world, but maybe you run it and end it at whatever their early fall pay-per-view is. I can't even think what they would glory by. Death, death, death before dishonor. Death before dishonor. Um, you know, maybe you do that. Um, that, that could very well be, I almost wonder if they didn't announce best in the world. Maybe, maybe we'll get it in the next week or so. If they did tape it, you know, with this bubble that they just did, which would make sense. I almost wonder if they didn't announce it because they wanted to make sure they could um, deliver, you know, make sure there wasn't an outbreak, make sure there wasn't, I, I don't know. It was a thought I had when I saw they were in the bubble, like, oh, maybe we'll get, get that announcement. Because, yeah, usually that's June. So you would, I mean, you would think they'd at least announce the date and now this taping would build to it and then culminate with it, we, we would think. Uh, but we'll see. I, all in all, another good show of Ring of Honor. Uh, they got a six-man title match coming up this week. Shane Taylor Promotions against Primal Fear, who I know has had some YouTube matches. I have not seen Primal Fear yet, um, so I'm I'll be interested to to check that out if I get a chance next week as well. But I think the big takeaway there is we talked last week. Where has STP been? Here they are. They're coming. They're there. They're coming right back with a title defense this weekend. So um, you know, thanks for listening, Ring of Honor. I know that your bubble has you know been well planned out, but you know. You know, you're listening to us and we appreciate that. And thanks for delivering. So Jim and I will continue to tune in. Two Spot Buggies Live, the official podcast of the Ring of Honor Bubble. Uh, yeah, we're not. We're not. That's not a... All right. Well, now let's get into what, you know, I guess the main event of what we're here for this week, uh, which is our head-to-head uh, picks. Tom, do you have the, the current standings? I do. I do. Okay. Yes. So it's been, it's been a while. Uh, yeah. we have not, we've not made picks since the busy week. That was WrestleMania week, which included uh takeover stand and deliver and WrestleMania night one and two, uh, following all of those events, the standings are Tom 54 and 18, Jim 51 and 21. So a three match difference in the standings as we enter WrestleMania backlash. <laughs> that will never sound right to me. It won't. Yeah, it's hard for me to say. Like, why not just leave it backlash? I don't. I don't. We we could go on about that, but I think we both there's there's not a lot to say about it. I just we don't. Neither one of us get it. So it is what it is. Um. So yeah, gonna try to uh, mount a comeback. I kind of feel like there's not going to be a whole lot of differences on this show, but um, but maybe there there might be at least one or two where maybe I can make up uh make up some some room. Uh, maybe Tom will trip and pick somebody wrong. Um, yeah, as, as not excited as I am to make these picks, just because I'm uh, sorry, this is a stream of, of connectivity from episode to episode. I continue to be down on the WWE product uh, collectively. There are there are bright spots, um, but there are also some really poor things. And I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to trying not to letting those anchor what we talk about in these picks here. We do have double or nothing in a couple weeks. That'll be actually probably a little bit more uh, of an uh, energetic, engaging conversation and maybe some more diversity in our picks. And they've also announced uh, in your house 
Takeover in your house 2021, not two, but 2021. Uh, so they're running that back uh, for the next takeover in June. So we've, we've added an event that we didn't know for sure we would have. So a couple more opportunities to, to have you close the gap or for me, I hope to widen the gap uh, and, uh, and here. And perhaps best in the world as well. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's hope I can find a way to at least pick up a match here. Uh, but again, I don't know. We'll see what happens. The first match is uh, just made after this last Monday, a lumberjack match. Damian Priest beat John Morrison, so he got to pick the stipulation for their Damian Priest and the Miz's match. Uh, here, this is, of course, building from their feud that had been running through WrestleMania and Bad Bunny last month and all of that. Um, Tom, you and I kind of talked really briefly before we clicked record, and uh, you know, Damian gets to pick any kind of match he wants with the Miz. And he picks a lumberjack match. I, it makes some sense because the Miz has been running away and the lumberjacks keep you there. But as I said to you before, uh, a, a steel cage would also work and would be more. I guess they just did that last month, though. So maybe you don't want to do a cage again. But I don't know. Lumberjack matches to me just like they were really cool in 1987. Um, they just don't click for me here. Um Sometimes they make sense if there's like, like if the pinnacle and the inner circle had a, a a match between MJF and Jericho, let's say, and it was a lumberjack and the lumberjacks are the pinnacle and inner circle. I, I kind of get those at least. This is going to be the WWE 24-7 crowd, uh, most likely, who's surrounding the ring. And a few of the, un and a few of the forgotten tag teams that aren't on this show or something like that. I mean, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Since uh, I'm behind, it'd be me to make the first pick. Is that correct, Tom? Correct. All right, so um, there's a piece of me that says maybe this continues so The Miz wins, but if you put The Miz over Damian Priest, you've lost your flipping mind. Um, I think Priest has the ability to become a star on the Raw brand, and I just don't think you cut his legs out from under him in a match that he got to pick the stipulation on. So I'm going to go Damian Priest, um, and they really – really need to examine their heads if they do anything else. I, I agree with the pick. Priest is my pick as well. I thought this was the way it, it should have gone before they added the stip. I think the stip is interesting because if Morrison becomes one of the Lumberjacks or is one of the Lumberjacks, it clearly gives Miz an, an advantage. It also then gives Priest a spotlight to kind of rise up as a babyface and fight from, you know, you know, circumstances that are greater than what he anticipated by choosing this step. I all agree with you too. Lumberjack matches. So 1987, <laughs> it could probably be, can probably be done and done well, uh, but it probably should not be done in 2021 and, and beyond, unless it can be really be done. Well, I, I, I think priest wins for sure, without a doubt. And I, and I, and I hope that he has a, a super positive, productive, WWE career. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pause for a second just to say it seems like a lot of times in historically I think that the data would bear itself out that if you're an NXT talent who does well at NXT or has kind of you know rises to the top and then you go and get promoted, it's the land of the lost. Damian Priest, I don't want him to be part of the land of the lost. So you know that's that's a bigger topic than just today, but this gets him you know with more of that. You know that spotlight. I, I'd love to see him challenge for the United States title, and and maybe that's a spot where Sheamus has that belt. It doesn't seem like 
they are are yet on a collision course, but that could happen. It could it could develop quickly. You don't think Umberto Carrillo is going to probably be the next U.S. champion? I, no, I, I think that as well. I think that's kind of what's happening here to have him get that fluke victory when the, when the time comes. But and maybe and maybe it comes as early as Sunday. It's just not official yet. Yeah, and I almost wonder if they were going to make it official, but then they uh, Carrillo apparently got hurt on Monday night. They had to stop the match. All all reports I've seen is that Carrillo is fine now. Um, it it ended up just being a you know, a, a stinger or something. It was in his knee, so I guess stinger isn't the right word. Um, but, you know, tweaked it or something, and seems like he's okay, which is great. I'm glad that he isn't uh, any more seriously hurt. So maybe they do add that um, to the show. I, I think they're going to add at least one or two more matches, even if uh, only on the kickoff or something um, to this, because we really don't have anything here that, you know, there's no Iron Man match or last man standing or thing that's you know is going to eat up 30 or 40 minutes. Um I mean, they could make some of these go that long, but nothing that makes you know know that it will. Anyways, talking about Land of the Lost for former NXT champions, let's go to the SmackDown Tag Team title match. And former NXT champion Robert Roode uh, and Dolph Ziggler defend against the Mysterios, Ray and Dominic. Tom, you get the first pick on this. What do you, what do you think in here about the uh, SmackDown tag title scene? Well, it seems like it's deeper than, than these two teams. So I... I know they did the four way. I think I think they did the. I know and I think, which are oxymorons because they're they're opposing one another. The SmackDown WrestleMania edition that led into WrestleMania weekend formally had what I what I seem to recall was a four way for the tag titles, and the Dirty Dogs retained there. I still feel like those are the teams that are in the mix here, and I don't know from from what i remember watching and seeing and reading about smackdown why ray and dominic have risen to the top and, and getting their shot here i know i saw something in writing either on the website wwe's website or on, on twitter or facebook you know that it's the idea that it's the, the first ever father and son going for the tag team titles and that's kind of the the, the sell or that's the, the gloss over this match that's fine and i think this is going to be a match in I think the Dirty Dogs are, you know, sadly underrated and unfortunately slotted here because the people in creative can't be bothered to to put them in better spots. And, you know, I think when the story is written on Dolph Ziggler's career, there's going to be a lot to say about what could have been. Uh, you know, if, if he had come up in a, in a different era from what he did now, you know, what could have been and or you know does he at some point just say hey listen i'm tired because he he had seemed a few years ago to be of the mindset of i'm tired of this i, I just need to go and be be myself be creative do what i want to do in the ring you know could AEW be a destination for Dolph ziggler eventually um again that's the big mystery too when will when will the big talent like swap ever take place you know and i'm thinking you know and, and it's pretty not apples to apples but like the lex luger showing up on one of the two shows from the other show you know that's going to be kind of one of the things when when you speak to this war quote-unquote war um or this this battle this this you know this uh struggle for viewership struggle for popularity struggle for your place in the rest of the world didn't mean to digress there but it ties back into Dolph ziggler and rude i think this is truly the one match on this card for me that it is a pick'em, without a doubt. Like it's literally the, the one match where I think I could flip a coin and go, okay, I'll go with that, or okay, I'll go with that. I'm going to lean and and pick the Dirty Dogs here just to retain. I, I think there is money in 
and this good story to tell if the father and son win the belts. But then what? And I and because I can't see the the then what yet, it makes more sense to me to have the dirty dogs retain. I think the the profits need to get the, the belts back. That being said, I'm not you know I don't. There's no there's no we talk about wrestling. Our kind of views on wrestling having heels as the champs are always the the, the way to go for for a longer period of time because then you have faces chasing them. Sadly, here in the SmackDown tag division, you've got pretty much two babyface tag teams, and that's it. It's this one and the Profits. So Dirty Dogs are my pick. Yeah, this is a pick for me, too. Um, you know, I expected the Dirty Dogs to lose the tag titles at the WrestleMania SmackDown, and I was wrong. Um, I, I, I'm with you in that I don't know what happened. If Ray and, and Dominic win the titles, then what? I also think you and I, if we were sitting in a room with the, the SmackDown creative team, um, would be the only two in the room that worried about then what? Um, because I just don't know that they think past the book, the show they're booking sometimes. Uh, although SmackDown has been pretty good lately. Um, you know, Reigns has been great. The Cesaro Ascension has been really well done. Uh, we'll talk about all that probably here in a couple of minutes. But um I don't want to spend a ton of time on this pick because I'm sure I'll have more to say on other picks. Um, and and I just I'm with you. I you and I did a fantasy wrestling draft on this podcast in the first iteration of Two Spot Monkeys way back six years ago, whatever it was. Um, more than that now. But uh I picked Dolph Ziggler really high in that draft, I remember. And I said he was going to be my Ric Flair of a four horseman type group because I really think he could have been that. And so I agree with you that that what could have been is just it, it is what it is at this point with Dolphin WWE. He's not going to rise higher than this most likely ever again. But uh, you know what? I need a win. I'm going Mysterios. Let's see. It might bury me, but I need a win. Um, and it makes neither neither team makes enough sense for me to feel real strongly. So I'm just going to play the strategy and, and see if I don't hurt myself um, in the process. Uh, SmackDown Women's Title Match: Bailey gets a wrestling match and gets to choose, gets to the um, challenge. Excuse me, Bianca Belair for her. Uh, I believe this will be first defense of her SmackDown Women's Title. I don't think she's defended it on SmackDown yet. Um, Bailey gets a wrestling match. Thank goodness. Because talk about somebody who should have been on the WrestleMania card and uh, was not. I think we talked about it around that time, too, especially when we broke down WrestleMania. But um, the fact that she did not have a spot on that in a wrestling way, in a wrestling match on that card, was just criminal. Um, but that not being said, I think they've done a nice job revisiting um, this this uh, feud between Bianca and and Bailey, which played out pretty well um, earlier in the year when Bianca first came to SmackDown. So I think this is going to be really, really good. I think it's going to be another way to build Bianca, but I don't think there's any chance, unfortunately for me, since I own Bailey in our fantasy wrestling league, uh, I don't think there's any chance that Bailey wins the title here. Uh, Bianca Belair walks out the, the women's champ again. Yeah. From an in-ring standpoint, both of the, of the women's matches are probably going to be the, the the cream of the crop from an in-ring standpoint this weekend. Uh, this, I think, gets, a, it gets an edge because I think it's cleaner by being a one-on-one. -on -one. Right. I, I am, to your point, excited to have Bailey back in the ring. 
uh, and her character development over the last you know, 15 months or so, 18 months or so, has been really, really good. Uh, there, here's someone who, as a babyface, I thought she's she's going to be forever a babyface. She just fits the role perfectly. The balloon people, the the confetti, the the bright colors, the hair ribbons, whatever. And now here she is in this role, and it is it's so believable. So so you go back to what I said earlier when I talked about AEW and Cody and like you know who they are turned up to ten. Which one is Bailey? Which Bailey is the is the actual real human behind the name Bailey? Uh, I digress. Uh, Bianca is not losing the belt here. Bianca, I think, has a long sustained reign, unless they do a quick hot shot title switch to get her uh, second reign. Which, again, that's a other different podcast where we could talk about the value of title reigns, um, and they are certainly not the same in the last uh, two decades as they were in the previous two decades. Bianca retains the title. Absolutely. We move into the Raw Women's title match, uh, which you mentioned. Uh, again, yeah, should be really good in the ring. And I, and I agree. One-on-one is always just a little cleaner. It's a little tougher to have as strong a match in a triple threat, although we've seen it done. Um, but the Raw Women's title triple threat match, Rhea Ripley defends against Asuka and the returned Charlotte Flair. Tom, what say you... Well, Rhea is a heel, I think. Asuka is definitely a baby, baby face. And I'm Charlotte, fairly sure Rhea's a heel. I just can't totally tell. But, 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 but that's, there, there, therein lies part of the problem. Uh, Charlotte is definitely the heel, uh, or definitely a heel. With the way, and, and she's got Sonya Deville in her back pocket, it seems. Or Sonya Deville is favoring her in some way. Here's what I dislike about the WWE Raw product, specifically. And it takes place in this match, and it takes place in the other three-way. And also, I just—I didn't just realize this, but it's dawning on me as we're talking. Why in the world are we doing two three-ways? Do because it because it's sloppy booking. Oh, it is. You know, give 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 us a round robin. You know, and and then you flesh out the reason for having a card, and you would add what two more matches. You yeah. know. To, and again, it doesn't have to be both, but like if you did, hey, these are the three contenders. Yeah, one of them is the champion. We're going to do a round robin at the end of the night. Whoever has the most, you know, wins, points, whatever. And, and you don't have to, you can, you can be creative in your booking around that. Again, two guys who've never booked pro wrestling, have never made a dime off of pro wrestling. Um, I think that's a great idea. So, WWE, call me. Um, Bruce, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Prichard, call me. Uh, yeah, right. Um, my pick is going to be Rhea to retain it, but I'm not incredibly confident. I know I can definitely say I know Asuka's not coming out of this with the title. And if she does, I'll be eating crow next week when we do a recap. It's too early, in my opinion, for Rhea to, to lose the title. And I also think, even though I think Charlotte could come out with the belt, I think it's too early to, to give Charlotte the title win here and having her take it from Rhea, even if she weren't to pin Rhea, even if Rhea had a way where Asuka gets the, takes the pinfall, Charlotte becomes a champion, Rhea has, a, has an issue, you've not positioned Rhea as a babyface. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. Unless the idea is to turn her this weekend and, and change that dynamic. I'm frustrated by this match, despite the fact that I think it's going to be really good in the ring. But I think Rhea winning and then Charlotte continuing to have a gripe and then using the behind-the-scenes machinations with Sonya Deville to, to puppeteer what's going on 
continues the story and leads us to an eventual Rhea versus Charlotte match, which again, going back to a year ago's WrestleMania, one of the best matches on the, on the card. And I think they have the ability and the chemistry to, to reconvene and, and do that again. So. So I'm with you. If, if Oscar wins, I'm going to have a plate of crow to eat as well, because I don't think there's unfortunately, I don't know if unfortunately is the right word. I like Oscar a lot. Oscar has had some really good reigns as champs. I think she has more reigns in her. I just don't think right now is the time with the stories they're telling. Um, I think Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair is the Raw Women's Title match at SummerSlam. So I think we're we're starting whatever. Well, we're continuing whatever already has begun to get us there. Um, so the question is: Does Charlotte win the title and Rhea is trying to win it back at SummerSlam sometime between now and then? Not necessarily in this match, or is you know Rhea still the champ and Charlotte wins the title at SummerSlam? Um, I think either path is possible. Uh, part of me <laughs> here again, I own Charlotte Flair in our fantasy wrestling league. So, you know, strictly on that side, I hope Charlotte Flair wins this match. For, but, for that reason, I would love to go back and look at all of our picks this year and see how many people you've owned in that league and how they've influenced <laughs> perhaps. And, well, if, and, and, if, and if that's the reason why we're separated by three, I'm just making that up. <laughs> considering I'm in eighth out of ninth place in that league this year after, dominating it for about the last six years. Um, clearly, if that's what I'm doing, it's not working. Um, so I got to pick better people. Well, and and, and to give Annette a shout out, Annette's brand new in that league this year, and she is kicking something. But, you know, is, there, there was a war going on for first place there for a month or two, and she ended the war. Um, I mean, not to say that other teams can't come back, but she has stomped them in the last month. Uh, so kudos to her on that as well. Speaking of stomps. As we got way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Speaking of stomps, um, you know, Rhea does a nice stomp when she comes out to the ring. Anyways, um, I was trying to draw it back into this match. Um, I'm I'm going to stay with you, Tom. As much as I, you know, could use a point here, I, I just, if they take it off Rhea and put it on Charlotte right away, I think you kill Rhea. Um, she just won the title at WrestleMania. Charlotte comes back the next night, and if she wins it in her first big shot at the title and, and Rhea's first big defense. I, it, I just, uh, it would be a bad move. Um, so I'm going to go Rhea Ripley to win this um, and just continue to kill my fantasy wrestling league season. Well, and, and to go back to the point I was trying to make that I kind of didn't make directly, but talked about just the frustration of the raw booking. You've had these uh, wrestlers interact with one another on Raw have matches leading up to th these three ways. So I think that, you know, without things being on the line in those, th it's lessened those matches in yes. the view of, in the view of this. So that's, that's the point I really wanted to and, drive. And on. it's lessened this a little bit for me too, in that if I've seen these guys, these guys and gals uh, wrestle each other, you know, five times in the last month, why do I give a rip about this pay-per-view on Sunday? Um, it's not like, oh my goodness, I'm going to see Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, you know, go at it. I don't know. They've been going at it for a month. Um, it just, yeah, I don't know. Same thing in the in the WWE title match, especially as well, when we get there, um, where literally they've had Bobby Lashley face both of them. Why? Just why? Stop. Um, but let's go to a match that we haven't seen uh, these two 
face each other on SmackDown, I don't think, because Reigns doesn't work a whole lot of SmackDown matches, which I actually think works really well in making it seem special when Roman Reigns defends his title. Imagine that. How they can get this on one show and not get it on the other show. I, well, I, and, and, and when the same guy is at the helm. That's what they tell us. What they tell us. Um, so Reigns and Cesaro, I have loved the Cesaro build. Um, I, I, I hope that this is not just kind of one of those, well, it's a two-month little push, and then we drop him back down the card, like they've done with Dolph Ziggler before, like they've done with so many guys. We can name a bunch of them, many of them who are probably on this card. Um, the Miz, frankly. I mean, they've done that with him a few times. They've even made him the champ for a month and, you know, then have him just transition the title. Um, so I hope that isn't the case. I've been, I've been thinking about this all week. Cesaro is the kind of person who, if they beat Roman Reigns, it could make them. You and I have been talking about that for months, that that was part of why I picked Roman to win at WrestleMania, because I didn't think Edge or Daniel Bryan beating Roman Reigns meant anything to Edge or Daniel Bryan. Cesaro is the kind of person who, if you put him over Reigns for the title, he's a made man. Could be. Cesaro is the kind of guy who I think could, down the road, if they want to do it, could be a Brian Danielson-like, and I'm going to use that name and not Daniel Bryan, because I mean from his Ring of Honor days, not his WWE days, champion who is just the best in the world kind of thing. And it doesn't matter who you put up against him. Tell a story. Don't tell a story. Doesn't matter. He's going to have a great match. Cesaro is that good. Um, I love that they're finally figuring out after, I don't know, 10 years probably of Cesaro, maybe a little bit less. They're finally figuring out what they got in this guy. And I just hope they're not doing it for a month or two to, to pop the fans. And then, and then Cesaro is going to go back to, you know, lower mid card stuff. That being said, if Cesaro is going to be the guy to beat Roman Reigns, and, I, and I'm not at all convinced that down the road he is, it's not at WrestleMania Backlash. Roman Reigns needs to lose that title at SummerSlam or Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. Those are the four shows that Reigns can lose the title on, in this reign at least. Other Down the road, he could lose it somewhere else again, you know, because he'll win it again, let's be honest. He's Roman Reigns. Um, he's going to have 947 title reigns by the time all is said and done. I just don't think it happens here at Backlash. I would love, as much as I want it to be Big E, I'd be okay with it being Cesaro if it's if he's the guy. Either of those two guys, I think, have absolute star potential and, and could be made by beating Roman Reigns. It's just not happening at Backlash. Or WrestleMania Backlash, either. Uh, this this match, I think, from, from an in-ring, save for the comment I made about the women's matches, is going to be fantastic. Yes. Cesaro is, and they've told top. a good story. Then they have. So, like, I think all of the elements for for you know a destination viewing on display here, where I don't feel or even an ounce of that uh, that vibe towards the raw the no, so let's just say the raw the raw title. It's not the raw title. It's the world heavyweight title. Um, I, I agree with you on very much a, a lot of what you said. Cesaro needs to be in the mix for a long time. I hope that they have the ability to do that and keep him there. And I hope they don't see it as a short-term, you know, piece. And and again, if you if you book and you build guys strong, 
even if they move up and down the levels on the top of the card, that that that's a good thing and that's a possibility too. I feel like Cesaro and Rollins isn't 100% over, even though Cesaro beat Rollins to get this title shot. So I, th- I think Seth Rollins getting involved makes a lot of sense here. Um, there's some weird dynamic between Reigns and Rollins, you know, with their history in the Shield that I think still, you know, could be a fun story to tell. Not that Rollins goes for the title, but just kind of how they, you know, wink and nod at one another, even though their paths are divergent. They still, you know, and, until they until they do square off at some point, and maybe it's while Reigns is Universal Champion. Um, Reigns wins. I think Cesaro looks incredibly strong. The other piece is Jimmy Uso just came back on SmackDown last week. He didn't acknowledge Roman as the head of the table or as the chief, uh, and there's an issue there, and it, it allows Cesaro to um, to get, you know, to attack Roman from behind. There's a lot going on. Again, not too much to keep track of, but, you know, again, I think, emotional good connection and investments that you may want to tap into or, or or see play out as a fan and that gives you more more oomph to 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 watch this even though i think that the outcome isn't really in doubt from the start one thing i did want to share before we get to the final match is i i was pulling up on cagematch.net and trying to look uh the last time uh uh these two had a singles match was uh, December of 2017, okay. and Roman Reigns was Intercontinental Champion, and he defeated Cesaro on Raw. They 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 fought in the ring. They've been in matches together. Um, a lot of times, it was Rollins and Reigns as uh, as part of the Shield against the Bar and, and some other kind of you know multi man matches. But it's been uh, three and a half years since we've had a Cesaro Roman Reigns singles match. That's, that's amazing. Really. When you think about it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you though. Um, on the, the guys side of things, I mean, without any question, this is the match I'm looking forward to on the show. Uh, if I even get to see this show, Sunday's a little busy for me and then the week gets busy as well. So I, I may not see this show. We'll see, but, uh, might depend on what I hear about it after the fact too whether I go back to see it. So, um, but that would be the one match on the guy side. I think both of the women's matches are going to be very good on the guy side. This is honestly the only match I probably care to see. And interestingly enough, I think I have the time on Sunday. I don't know of any plans right now that would work against me watching this. I actually want to tune into Peacock and watch a live event because I haven't had the chance to do that yet. So even though I'm not incredibly amped for this show in general, there, there are, there are bright spots in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to make a destination viewing on Sunday. See what happens. Yeah. Well, Tom, you get the first pick on the WWE title triple threat. That's Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre. I know you are super excited that Braun Strowman could be in the main event. We'll see. Reigns, Reigns and Cesaro could main event this show as well, and and probably should, in all honesty. Um, so I might have put these in the wrong order when I loaded this today, but um, – this is the order we're doing it in. So Lashley, Strowman, and McIntyre make that Braun Strowman pick, Tom. <laughs> I, I don't know how to. Technical I, difficulties. I, Tom may be having technical difficulties. I don't know how to respond. Uh, I, I do know. I do know how to respond. It's. I've already kind of given my insight on my vibe on this match and how it's built on Raw. I, I, I do think that even though I don't think they've done it really, really well, 
the idea of who can trust who. You know that Drew McIntyre doesn't trust either of these guys, but you don't totally know. They've done it. They've done, they've done okay, kind of basically saying every man's going out for himself. But with MVP in the background and the manipulation that could take place, you would probably not be surprised to have either Strowman or McIntyre sell the other one out to get an advantage. I, or not. I, again, it goes back to like it, this issue is just too blurry. And and I don't know why they felt the need to integrate Braun Strowman into it. Again, I, I recognize they gave him a pretty high profile spot on WrestleMania. And if they didn't give him this spot here, what would he be doing at this show? Uh, but he also, again, I, I've been very clear here in multiple times before, and I'm sure in multiple times to come my disdain and my dislike for Braun Strowman. I would much rather prefer a straight up singles match. McIntyre proved that he was a game uh, contender for Lashley, but then he fell short at Mania. If you really want to see, you know, true WrestleMania backlash, a one-on-one makes sense, but we're not getting that. Uh, That's frustrating as a fan, as someone who wants to like care more about this. And I don't care about Braun Strowman. And I think that unless he does some stupid, crazy stunt thing and gets him kind of out of the match early and they let Lashley and and Drew go at it until the finish and then Braun, you know, helps cause, you know, how the outcome plays out. I don't know how this is going to work. I think it's going to be bulky, clunky, and rough. And I feel bad because Drew McIntyre is a guy who actually can work really good in the ring. And and Lashley, I think, can be brought up to that level. I think we saw that at WrestleMania to a to a smaller extent. But we know Drew McIntyre's history in other matches and other, you know, I mean, look at his NXT reign. I think you know there were some high quality matches. You look at his time in Evolve and PWG and other promotions when he was doing his indie thing. Kind of ironic that you think that you know, in a way, Drew McIntyre and Cody Rhodes are kind of the guys that forged very similar but very different paths. And if you were to do a kind of a comparison, that would be interesting to look at. And if you were to ask each of them how how they feel today about what what has happened for them in the last three years, who's happier? I think I know the answer, but I would be interested to hear it from those guys' mouths. Um, all of that being said, I don't see a title change here. I see Lashley retaining. I don't think the issue between Lashley and Drew is over by any means, much like I think Asuka becomes the foil in the women's match uh, to extend Rhea and Charlotte. Braun becomes the foil here for for moving forward. If McIntyre does win the title, and again, it's a way to get the belt off Lashley without him losing. Okay, it would be the second time this year that's happened to Lashley. So then I would, if I'm MVP and Lashley, I'm not getting involved in any more multi-man matches. I just want one. I just want one-on-ones. So. yeah, La- I, I see Lashley retaining. I think it's by pinfall, but if it's a, if it's a fluky like DQ finish or something like a no contest, I wouldn't be surprised there either. Yeah, I I agree with you that that I see Braun taking the fall most likely in this match, extending the Lashley McIntyre thing because I just don't know. You know, McIntyre said in an interview somewhere uh, that he wouldn't mind kind of getting out of the title scene for a little bit. He thinks that might be good. Uh, for for WWE as a whole, for him to get out of the title scene, do something else. Um, he's mentioned that he's very interested in maybe doing something with Jinder Mahal, uh, who just returned this last week. He and Jinder are friends, so I can see that making some sense. Uh, 
and it would certainly be a way to bring gender back up into, you know, the picture. But I don't, then do you go, I mean, if, if that were to happen, do you go Lashley Braun moving forward? Ugh, yuck. Um, and I, I just don't know what else on Raw unless you bring somebody in, Keith Lee comes back or whatever, and you know, yeah, right, that's gonna I, happen. I was just about to say free Keith Lee. I know I know we've been on the free free bandito, yeah, you know, hashtag hashtag free Keith Lee. Absolutely, hashtag find Keith Lee. I mean, not even free him, just find the guy first, and then then let's worry about freeing him. Um, you know, I Alistair Black's coming up back on SmackDown, so obviously he's not gonna come in here. I just don't know where Bobby Lashley goes if if it's not Drew still. So I, yeah, I think I, I'm going Lashley as well here as much as I'd love to pick Drew to, 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 uh, you know, have another difference. I just don't, I don't, this, it doesn't feel enough of a pick em for me to go that direction here. Um, and I can't necessarily afford the loss on the strategy side either. Um, unless I feel like it's, it's a worthwhile risk, like I did with the tag match. So I'm going to go Lashley. I think Lashley beats Strowman. Um, hopefully we move Braun Strowman then on to uh, feud with uh, catering in the back somewhere that isn't on camera would be great. Um, but uh, yeah. And then I think you, you continue the Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre thing, probably for maybe one more month. Um, and then by next month, um, we we should have a June WWE pay-per-view as well uh, in our head to head. I didn't, we didn't talk about that. Um, which I assume is going to be Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank was in May last year, but you know things shifted around this year a little bit. Um, so I would assume Money in the Bank is what's coming up next, uh, probably in June. So maybe that helps. You know, maybe you get Lashley McIntyre there, and then they move on from that. And maybe the Money in the Bank match helps bring somebody up to that level. Maybe it's a Raw star that wins it or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe Damian Priest wins Money in the Bank or something like that. I, I'm just throwing names around at this point. Um. So to be sure, I believe our only difference is the SmackDown tag title match, Tom. That is uh, correct. We, yeah, I have the Mysterios and you have Ziggler and Rude. Uh, neither of us feeling super strong. So we, neither of us will be shocked when we with whoever gets that wrong. Um, and the rest of us, we are the same. So WrestleMania Backlash this Sunday on Peacock. Uh, check it out if you have subscribed. If you haven't subscribed to Peacock, I got to say, I mean, if you have no interest in WWE, obviously, whatever. But uh, there is a lot of other good stuff out there. A lot of good movies, a lot of TV shows. Um, I haven't spent as much time going through things. I put a bunch of stuff on my watch list, but haven't had any time to watch any of it. Um, but stuff that I I wanted to see in the past that I'm like, oh, now I could watch that uh, in all my free time. Sure, yeah, I have that, right. Anyways, that's coming up Sunday. So uh, see how Tom and I did on our picks. Tom, anything else before we uh, wrap this thing up for the day? No, I just in in response to having only one difference of a pick, uh, and both of us kind of being eh towards this show, I was already kind of thinking towards next week. Going, that's going to either be a really boring conversation or a really quick conversation. Um, notice I didn't say interesting, but we could be surprised. So, uh, we, we for the, and the, susp the suspense for you listeners is that that's the hook I want to leave you on to come back next week. Yeah, come back for our either very brief episode or our very boring episode. We promise we'll throw some other things in that are more interesting. If this show, uh, you know, goes over like a fart in church, we'll, uh, we'll, hey, there's my, you know, little statement for this week. But uh, we'll put some other more interesting content in hopefully next week, if that's the case. Uh, enjoy Backlash, WrestleMania Backlash. If you do watch it this weekend or whatever wrestling you watch, 
uh, this weekend. Everybody stay safe, and uh, we will talk to you again next week on Two Spot Monkeys Live. Thanks for being with us.